Well, uh, man, good morning, and uh, it is good to uh, to be together. Uh, man, my uh, thank you. I just want to say thank you for your prayers. My uh, uh, man, my bell palsy has gotten uh, so much better uh, this week. I'm not I'm not longer in any you know, pain. I still can't really blink my eye or move the right side of my mouth. But uh, um, I mean, I'm I'm a desperate man. I'm so desperate. I tried acupuncture, you know, and I'm afraid of needles. So. Um, but uh, I'm trying anything and everything, but uh, most importantly, thank you for your prayers. Um, well, we, uh, and we're at the front end, the very beginning of our series called Storyline. And what we're doing over the next 11 months is we're going to take a 30,000-foot view of the Bible and these major stories and see this, this thread, this single thread that runs throughout all the stories from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, and that all these stories, they point to Jesus. And so we, we put some things in place as we kick off this new year, we kick off this, um, you know, this new series. Uh, one of them is uh, these journals uh, that, we've, uh, that we've had out. We have some on the table here. We have some in the back. If you want to grab one, you're not going to bother me one bit if you want to get up and grab a journal uh, at, uh, at this table or, or the back there. And uh, so you can follow along and um, write, jot down some notes or some thoughts. Um, we also have a Bible recap class at, uh, that meets at 1045 in the back of the building in the band hall. And uh, we have a team of teachers that's going to walk us, you know, along with this series, but they're going to uh, cover some stories that we're, we're not going to cover, that they're important, but we just couldn't fit them into our so-called storyline, our timeline. And so um, and we want to encourage you to go to that at 1045. You come to this service, go to 1045. You get to, I know it's two hours, but we've got something for your, for your kids, you know, both hours, and you get to double your intake of, of God's word in your life. And so we have that. Uh, we've also encouraged everybody to just choose a reading plan uh, and read the Bible. That there, Tanner showed us some great statistics on just the benefits of being engaged in God's Word four more times a week and what that leads to in our lives. And so, you know, I've taken a one-year reading plan and I've stretched it into three years, okay, because I'm the classic underachiever, all right? Um, and want to just encourage you to, we, we're uh, using the Bible uh, re- recap podcast, and you can go to the podcast and you can either listen to on audio the scripture of the day, or you can read in your Bible, and then you listen to a six-minute podcast, um, and she just explains to you what you just read and pulls out some insight. I'm like, man, I've never seen that. I've never thought about that. Thomas and I had a great conversation this week just about Noah, some things that we, we hadn't seen before or thought about. Uh, as we, you know, as we heard some things in the podcast. And so I want to encourage you to read your Bibles uh, as we go through this, uh, as we go through this series. And, um, and so let's just kind of jump in uh, at the very beginning. Um, and what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about evil and sin and where did it all happen and what is God's plan. And, um, you know, we don't have to look very hard uh, to find evil in the world, right? I mean, just look at the person sitting beside you, okay? And you found evil. I mean, just kind of give them a once-over, okay? Um, if we need a, if we need a, you know, a, a closer look at evil in the world, we just need to look in the mirror, right? Um, I mean, there's something 
uh, naturally evil, innately evil in us. And I know that some people don't really, you know, believe that or adhere to that, but let me just ask you this so that kind of show you how deep evil runs in our world is, think about your precious kiddos for a moment, okay? I mean, they're sweet, they're innocent, they're cute, but did you have to teach your kids how to lie? No, right? So no, we don't, we don't have to tell I mean, those little nuggets are natural born liars, right? I mean, have you ever had to teach your kids uh, how to be selfish? No, just put them in a room with other kids and it comes out, all right? I mean, if, you know, my, my eight-year-old, I mean, he, he doesn't excel over a lot of things, but he excels at being selfish, I mean, he's, you know, he's above board. He's at the top percentile, all right? We're at a top percentile and not a lot of things, but we are in selfishness, all right? Have you ever had, your, had to teach your kids to be mean to their siblings? No, why? Because evil is naturally inside of all of us, okay? And today, we're gonna see where it all started in Genesis. That in Genesis, we have the account of where it all started. And Adam and Eve they have this relationship with God that's characterized by oneness. That's how close they were to God. And, uh, but because of sin, they lost it all. And so today we're going to look at Adam and Eve and their fall. Um, we're going to look at their sin and, and why it all happened and what God did about it. So um, let me just give you four words this morning that we're going to come around. You can jot them down, okay? Um, but four words that we're going to talk about and see in this story. We see the joke. We see the lie, the tree, and the solution. So the joke, the lie, the tree, and the solution is where we're going this morning as we look in Genesis chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter three. If you don't have your Bibles, we're gonna put it up on the screen for you. You can pull it up on your phone. But Genesis chapter three this morning. But I wanna back up just a little bit to Genesis chapter two. Because I want to make sure we're, we're, we're all starting at the same point, okay? Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 17, just so that we're real clear with God, what God has to say, okay? God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they've just created the universe and they've created the world and everything in the world. They've created Adam. And so God says this to Adam in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. He says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so that's what God said. Let's hold on to that. Let's remember what he said because we're gonna see something different here in just a moment. So that's what God said. Now, fast forward. So God, he puts Adam to sleep. He pulls out a rib. He uh, creates uh, Eve and he puts him in the garden and we, jump, and we jump in at verse one, chapter three. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really, okay? Let's say that together. Did God really, let's say it again. Did God really, underline that word really, we're gonna come back to it. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the servant, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it. 
Now, did God say that? Did God say you can't touch it? No, he said you can't eat of it. They said you must not touch it or you will die. And you will, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Okay, so let's talk about this joke. So when this word really, um, it means certain or it means uh, doubtless. And the serpent is trying to cast doubt in Eve's mind and he's using irony and sarcasm to do it. Okay, that's what he's doing. The serpent is saying, he, he, he said that? God really said that? Did God really say that? He, he, what he's doing, he's mocking God. He's mocking the instruction that God had given to, to Adam and Eve. And irony and sarcasm are really good means to project falsehood, okay? And some of us know that because we're experts at it, right? We're always projecting. We're always, uh, you know, uh, redirecting. And we use sarcasm and we use irony to do this. It's just a way of life for some of us. I mean, we're constantly putting other people down to make us feel better about our circumstances, right? Or we're, we're, we put other people down or we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll criticize something that's going on in somebody else's life to make us feel better about our life. We're just experts at sarcasm. We're experts at, at, at irony because we're trying to tear other people down to make us feel better about ourselves. And what the serpent is really saying, he's saying, really? God said that? You're, you're, you're kidding. You're kidding. God did not say that. Did, he said that you couldn't eat from the trees in your own garden? I mean, he put you here, you, this is yours, and he gave you a rule that you can't eat of a tree in your own garden. Now, this is the beginning of when everything goes wrong. And here's why. This is basically how we lose God in our lives. It doesn't start with an argument. It starts with a doubt. See, the purpose of the serpent's question is not to provide information, the purpose of his question is to create this atmosphere of doubt. Don't lose God over a doubt. But see, that's, that's what happens. We, we have these doubts about God or we have these doubts about Jesus or these doubts about Christianity and we just bail out. God's not afraid of our doubts. It's not wrong to have doubts. I mean, John the Baptist had his doubts. But it's where we take our doubts. Remember, let's go back two weeks to the very first week. Remember what this is? Anybody? Pray, okay? So it's pray, read, ask. Let's say that together. Pray, read, ask. Let's do it together now, okay? Pray, read, ask. Okay, so what we're doing is we have a doubt. And instead of skipping out on God, let's pray. Say, God, I'm having this doubt. I don't really know how I feel about this. I don't really know what to do about this. So God, would you show me your truth? And then we read God's scripture to say, okay, here, here, here's what I'm reading about this doubt. And I'm still, I'm still kind of having these doubts and these questions. So now I'm gonna go to a gospel-centered group and I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask my questions so that my doubts don't throw me for a loop. It's okay to have our doubts, but what are we gonna do with our doubts? Let's not lose God over a doubt. But the serpent, he creates this attitude of doubt for the heart. And that's the joke. Now let's look at the lie. The first thing the serpent does 
is he gives us an attitude for the heart, but then he gives us a lie for the mind. Look at, look at verse five. It says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, the serpent says, you know, Eve, I've been watching you. And I feel so sorry for you, Eve, because God does not want what's best for you. That God's holding out on you. That God doesn't have your best interest in mind. That God knows that you go out on your own, you'll be so much more than you are now. God doesn't want you to reach your fullest potential, Eve. I feel so sorry for you. Notice that the serpent doesn't go after the existence of God. The serpent goes after the goodness of God. Do you catch that? Watch, listen, don't miss this. The serpent's not attacking the existence of God. The serpent, the Satan is attacking God's goodness. And the serpent, the serpent he, he says, you, you can't trust that God really loves you. The lie, the lie is you can't trust that God really loves you or that God really wants your best or has your best interest at heart or God, you can't really trust God's goodwill. And when they, when Adam and Eve believed the lie and they believed that they could not trust the goodness of God, Satan had them. Now this is how it plays out in our lives, okay? I mean, it's not a serpent talking to us. That would freak us out. I'm scared of snakes anyway. But this is how it plays out in our lives. When we don't trust the goodness of God, we're like, okay, well, I don't know if God's really gonna do what I want him to do, so I'm gonna force his hand. I'm gonna be really good. I'm gonna do all these good things, and I'm gonna be super religious, and I'm gonna say no to all this bad stuff, and then God has to do what I want him to do. Or it plays out the other way. It says, well, if I really trust God and I, and, and, and I do everything he wants me to do, well, I'm gonna miss out on so much that life has to offer but see, whether you're super religious or irreligious, the heart of the matter is the same and we're not trusting in the goodness of God. Because, you know, we either think we, you know, we can't trust God, you know, to, to bless us and can't trust God that he has our best interest in mind. So we'll force God to do it with our behavior or we can't trust God in his goodness because we think we'll miss out on something and our lives will be completely miserable. But in both scenarios, we believe the lie that God can't be trusted. And if we can't trust God's goodness, the enemy has us. It has nothing to do with do I believe that God is real or not. It has everything to do with is God trustworthy or not. So now let's, let's talk about this tree. Look at verse six. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So all, everybody wants to blame Eve, but Adam was there the whole time, okay? He could have said, whoa, 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 we're not doing this, Eve. This is what God said, but no, he's just as guilty, and so there's a progression here, okay? We have the heart, the mind, and the will. Now, now, why did God say, don't eat of that tree? Why didn't God say, you know, don't hit each other or don't, don't kill each other, or don't lie to each other? 
You see, if God would have said no hitting, no lying, no stealing, then God would have been telling us that sin in, the, in, in essence is doing bad things or breaking the rules. But he chooses a tree and he chooses the fruit of the tree, which is a good thing. And what Adam and Eve did is they took a good thing and it became their master. See, the essence of sin is not just doing bad things or breaking the rules. The essence of sin is taking a good thing and using it to bring ourselves significance and security. There are really good things in this world. Work is a good thing, okay? But when we use work to, as our lone source of security or significance to make us feel valuable or important, we're using a good thing for a bad thing and it becomes our master. Or relationships, family, all good things, okay? Health, money, a good thing. But when we use it as our source of significance or security, a good thing becomes our master. And the essence of sin is being our own master and calling our own shots. And only God can be our source of significance insecurity. Nothing says that we're more significant than Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. Nothing gives us more security in this world than our faith in Jesus, that he accomplished our salvation for us. So, so there's nothing that brings us more significance or security. And look at verse seven and eight. It says, then the eyes of both of them, so they ate the fruit, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from God, the Lord God, among the trees in the garden. They hid from God. Perhaps the saddest words in the whole Bible that they felt like they had to hide from God. This word walking, when God came walking in the cool of the garden, in Hebrew, it means to be close in a relationship. And every evening in the cool of the night, God would come and he would walk with Adam and Eve. They were in this relationship characterized by oneness. But this time when they heard God, they hid. Why, why did they hide? And the reason why they hid is the first fruit of sin is that we are cut off from God spiritually. The first fruit of sin is that we are cut off from God spiritually. And they knew, they knew they had blown it. Anybody, I mean, okay, we're, we're all sinners here. Anybody a sinner here? Okay, we're all. And those of you just didn't raise your hand, you're a sinner. You didn't raise your hand. You sin. We're all sinners here. Okay, so let's just be honest. We know when we blow it, right? We know. We know. And just like Adam and Eve, we also hide. Because when I blow it, uh, I kind of avoid reading my Bible. Is that you? That when we blow it, we, when, we, when we sin, we're like Adam and Eve and we try to hide. And so we avoid reading our Bible. We stop praying. 
We stop going to church as often. We, we, start, we start avoiding certain groups of friends. We start avoiding a community because this is what sin does. It alienates us from God and his good things. So what are we gonna do about it? Well, first of all, we can't do anything about it. Only God can do something about it. And look what God does. Verse nine. Says, but the Lord God called the man, where are you? In other words, God is always pursuing. He's always searching. He's always loving. He not only did it for Adam and Eve, but he does it for you and I. And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the man said, well, well, the, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. So he's playing the blame game. He's like, well, it's not my fault, God. The woman, the woman you gave me, she did it. It's her fault. And, the woman, and, and then God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, well, it's not, it's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. The serpent deceived me and I ate it. Man, doesn't that sound like us? I mean, we mess up, we blow it and it's not our fault. You know, my boys are throwing the football inside the house and they knock something over and it breaks. It's not my fault. He should have caught the ball. He should have done a better pass. Mom shouldn't have left the football in the game room. I mean, we're, 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 we're brilliant at playing the blame game. And so the Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, but I will put enmity. Enmity is that state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile towards. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And what, what, what the writer is saying is, what God is saying is that humanity is going to fall into basically two sets of offspring. The offspring of the serpent for those who do not trust in Jesus and do not trust in the goodness of God and in her offspring, the people who have put their trust and their faith in God. Man, as the band comes, I, I just want us, to, I want us to see the gospel. I want, I want us to point to, a, it's here in Genesis chapter three, we see very clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, look again at verse 15. And God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. See, all throughout history, offspring comes from the man, except for one woman. And right here we have a foreshadow that one day there will be a virgin who will conceive a child through the Spirit of God and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And here in Genesis 3, we see this prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ, 
that one day Jesus would come and he would destroy all the works of the serpent. And we also have the promise that one day our king is going to come back. That our king is going to return and he is going to rule the earth. And he's going to rule over everything and everything will be healed. Everything will be healed spiritually and socially and physically and psychologically and mentally. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to reverse all the works and the results of the fall. There'll be no more sickness, no more disease, no more goodbyes, no more hatred, no more poverty, no more racism. That Jesus will come and he will heal our hearts and he will heal the earth. But until that day comes, friends, you and I have the opportunity to partner with him and to be a light and to offer healing to the world, to offer community to the world, to offer, to offer healing to our neighborhoods, to our schools, to our homes by loving and serving in the name of Jesus. That's what we have an opportunity to do. You and I are invited into this incredible story to partake with him. So let me just ask you, let me give you three things to ponder. You can jot these down or we'll put them up on social media this week. But three questions for you just to kind of seek in your own heart. What's causing you doubt? What's causing you to doubt the goodness of God? What lie are you starting to buy into that God can't be trusted? And where's your security and significance coming from? Because if it's not coming from what God has done for us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's never gonna be enough.